0: Worship this morning we're singing a lot about the cross today as we focus upon the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ 140 we're going to stand up and sing out all four verses down at the cross where my savior died down where for cleansing from sin I cried there to my heart was the blood applied glory to his name and now you know this one love this one I want to hear you sing out on this one as we lift our voices to the Lord 140 let's stand up sing out down at the cross 140. This morning by asking you a question Now please don't answer out loud Don't nod your head Don't shake your head Don't give any visible or verbal response or anyone else can see I just want you to answer this question In your own heart In your own mind It's a question for every person Listening to me right now Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt Are you a hundred percent certain Do you know for sure That your sin is forgiven. Jesus is your Savior and Lord. And if you died today, you would go to heaven. Now think about that in your own heart and your own mind. Do you know for certain? Are you 100% sure? Are you sure beyond any shadow of a doubt? Do you know that 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 Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord and that if you died right now, you'd open your eyes In heaven I believe that everyone listening to my voice Is in one of four groups today You're in one of these four There are those, first of all, who know That they're not saved You know you're not saved There's never been a time in your life Where you've turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ You know you're lost And you know that And I want to thank you for being honest about that The second group are those that think That they're saved, but they're not really saved. They think they are, but they're not really. There's a third group. There are those who are truly saved, but they're not sure that they're saved. They lack assurance that they have salvation. And then there's a fourth group. And that fourth group are those who are truly saved and absolutely sure that they're saved. They have the assurance of their salvation. Now I want to submit to you today upon the authority of the word of God. That God wants everyone here to be in that fourth group. He wants you to be saved. And he wants you to be sure that you're saved. To be able to truthfully say this morning, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Now you might be thinking, well preacher, how do you know that God wants everybody to be saved? And then not only save, but be sure that they're saved. How do you know that? Well, I'll give you just two verses. Second Peter three nine says this: The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us. Listen, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance it's god's desire that every person come to repentance comes to faith in the lord jesus christ and then how do we know that we that we know that he knows that uh, that we want the surety well listen to 1 john 5:13 these things i've written to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. He wants you to know. So not only to be saved, but be sure that you're saved. Now, beloved, when it comes to salvation, it's not a hope so. It's not a maybe so. It's not a can't know. It's a no so. He wants you to know that you're born again. And one of the reasons that the Lord had John, under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, give us this book, 1 John, where we are studying at the moment, it's so that we can know that we have eternal life. We can have that assurance. So I want you to open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to that little book again, 1 John and find chapter 2 this morning. And we're going to begin today looking at some of the proofs of fellowship. Some of the proofs that we're in fellowship with God the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Some of the proofs that we truly are born again and headed to heaven. Now, beloved, please hear my heart this morning. My desire today is not to make anyone doubt their salvation. That is not my heart. We know and the Bible teaches that we're saved by grace through faith plus nothing. The hymn writer put it this way, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling we don't work for our salvation. We can't earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do but turn from our sin and place our faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to make anyone doubt their salvation. We know the Bible says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. But here's what the Bible also says in 2 Peter one ten. Therefore, brethren... Listen, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. So God wants us to nail down some things to make sure that we know that we have that assurance that we're born again, we belong to him. And I'm so passionate about this, because if you'd allow me for a moment, I want to speak from experience, if I may. To not have the assurance of your salvation Is a miserable way to live I lived for some time that way In my own Christian experience Because of receiving some teaching That didn't line up with scripture That you could lose your salvation I want you to know to live Not sure if today you're saved or lost Is a miserable way to live It robs you of a lack of assurance and joy and peace and victory and sweet fellowship as you kind of meander and fumble along in life, hoping that you haven't done something that might cause you to lose your salvation. We know the Bible says that we are given eternal life and beloved, if you can lose it, it's not eternal. And so we have eternal life if we're truly born again. So my aim this morning is not to cause anyone to doubt their salvation. My ultimate goal today, my aim today, is that this will be settled in everyone's life. That regardless of which group you're in at the moment of those four groups, you would leave this place in group number four. Knowing that you're truly saved and sure that you're truly saved. Now for some, you need to be saved today. Others need to drive a stake in the ground and get this settled. There are two proofs in this passage we're going to study this morning that will help us to know that we are saved, that will help us to have a no-so salvation. I want to remind you what McDonald' said, John's first epistle here is like a family photograph album. Do you all remember those? We still have some of those around right? Now everything's digital. so you scroll through them. you know, read the old family photograph albums and you flip through them. That's kind of like what this book is like. He said it describes those who are members of the family of God, just as children resemble their parents. So God's children have this likeness too. this letter describes the similarities. When a person becomes a child of God, he receives the life of God, eternal life. And all those who have this show it in very definite ways. And so as we look at this book, it's like a family photo album that we should be seeing resemblances of the father and the son in us. Now, with that being said, I want to read the passage and talk about two proofs of our salvation. Would you find there in 1 John chapter 2, we pick up our study where we left off last time at verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, these words. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which things is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light. and There is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Now, a real simple outline this morning as we consider the truths laid out before us in those verses. Number one, how do I know for sure that I'm saved I obey God. How do I know for sure that I'm saved? I obey God. That's what we find in verses 3 through 6. Now look again at verse 3, rather. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, now by this, we know that we know Him. If we keep His commandments. We know. We have that assurance. God already knows if we belong to Him. He wants us to have settled in our mind that we belong to Him. He says, by this, we know that we know Him. That He is ours. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's uh, God the Father. We have the Son. We have fellowship. Now, what does it say? How do we know? If we keep His commandments. So, beloved, please understand, we're not talking about sinless perfection here. We established that clearly in our last message. If you didn't hear it, I wish you could hear it. You can go get the CD, the podcast somewhere and get that nailed down. That the Christian life, you still are going to struggle with sin in your life. But what we know here is that there's a pattern of our life that has changed. The pattern of our life is no longer sin. From time to time we do sin as believers and we know that we still have an old nature within us. We have a new nature. We have an old nature. We have an old sinful nature. And that old sinful nature loves to rear his ugly head. There's a struggle going on within us as believers. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh, that's that old sinful nature, the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not the things that you wish. So we're not talking about sinless perfection here. As a believer, from time to time, you're going to sin. And we're told what we're going to do. We're to confess our sin, agree with God, forsake it, move on in life, in the fellowship of the Lord. So when it says here, we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments, we're not talking about sinless perfection. What we're talking about is the pattern of our life, the trajectory of our life, the habit of our life. That is the habit, the trajectory, the pattern of our life is obedience to the word of God. Our desire now is to obey the Lord. We don't always do it perfectly, but that's our desire. The word translated keep there in verse 3, by this we know that we know him if we keep, it literally means to guard as a treasure, uh, to exercise watchful care over it. If we keep his commandments, if we guard his commandments, if it's our desire to to treasure them in our hearts. Do you see the growth here? It says in verse 3, it talks about keeping His commandment. It says in in verse 5, it talks about keeping His word. In verse 6, it talks about walking as He walked. That is the Lord Jesus. One author said there's a definite progress in thought here. To keep His commandments is to obey the teachings of the Lord Jesus that's found in the New Testament. To keep His word is not only obedience to what is written, but His desire to do what we know it please Him. And then finally to walk as He walked. Is the full expression of God's standard for his people. It means to live as Jesus lives. And so how do I know that I know him? How do I know that I belong to him? How do I know that I'm truly saved? Because the pattern of my life is to keep his word. The pattern of my life is to obey him. The pattern of my life is to please him. That's the habit of my life. That's the trajectory of my life. I do fail, but that's the habitual pattern. So we see here that obedience to God's word is one of the proofs that we really are born again. What did Jesus say about it? He said this in John fourteen fifteen: If you love me, keep my commandments. So we know, beloved, we love him today only because he first loved us. And because he loved us and we love him, that causes us to want to keep his commands. To do what pleases Him. Our desire is to obey Him. We don't do it perfectly, but it's the pattern of our life. And and, and though we fail at times, we confess that and get it right. Because we want to please Him. And we obey Him not out of fear. We obey Him how? Out of love. Because we love Him. We want to please Him. But sad to say, there are those that are mentioned here that say one thing and do something entirely different. There's something you may not have noticed. It's interesting to know There are three times it says something about those who say something. Verse 6 says, he who says. Uh, uh, Verse 4 says, he who says. And verse 9 says, he who says. So we see three things mentioned there. Now look at what it says in verse 4. He who says, I know him. So they're making a claim here. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He who says, I know him and does not... Keep his commandments. What does the Bible say about that person? He's a what? He's a liar. And the truth is not in him. Wow. That's pretty strong language. John is very bold in what he writes. He's very clear. It's black and white here. We know this is not sinless perfection, but that would be the pattern that person's life would be not to obey God. The pattern of that person's life would be to care less really about what God says. They say one thing with their mouth, but they do something else with their life. The idea here is our life and our lips should match our walk and our talk should match if we say we know him we should keep his commandments if we say we know him but we don't the Bible says you're a liar the truth's not in you and you're in trouble. In other words, if the trajectory of your life, beloved, the pattern of your life, the habit of your life is really not to keep God's word and not concerned about God's word and not concerned about pleasing him. You better take a real serious moment and consider whether or not you really are a child of God, because the Bible says that we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. The Bible says, Jesus, says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so we can say whatever we want talk is cheap, isn't it? We can say whatever we want to say. Isn't it political season? Talk is cheap, isn't it? Oh, I promise this. I promise that. Oh, I'm this type of person. We can say whatever we want to say, but the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the life. How do you live? Those who know and keep his commandments, those who know and keep his word. Now, there's some wonderful things that happen when you keep his commands. Did you know that? And by the way, can I just interject this? We have to have his enablement and his power to even keep his commands. We do this in the power of the Holy Spirit, not our own power. But as we keep his commands, it brings along at least three things in our life. You might want to jot these down. We see them here in these verses. Keeping the commands of God, first of all, brings assurance. Look at verse three. It says what? We know. Again, in the end of verse five, it says, by this, we know that we are in him. God wants you to know. And when you're living a life of habitual obedience to God. You fail from time to time. You're grieved about that. You confess it and move on. But the pattern of your life is obedience to God, desiring to please God, desiring to do what he wants you to do. It brings assurance in your life. We know it. We have that assurance. Second thing it brings is maturity. Maturity. It says there in verse five, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. That is, we're making progress in holiness. As we obey him. You say, well, how do I become more like the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you go to his word and you obey it. You learn it. You obey it. And our love of God's being perfected in us. So we have assurance. We have maturity. And then third, we have Christ likeness. Did you notice verse six? Now, some people say this is a separate proof, but I think it all falls in here together under the idea of obedience. Verse six says, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. As you obey the Lord in your day to day life, you have Christ likeness about you. Why? What did the father always find in his son, the Lord Jesus? He found obedience. It was always about the father's will. It was always about the Father's desire. It was always about pleasing the Father. So here's the question this morning. Don't answer it out loud. Does obedience characterize your life? Does obedience to the Lord characterize your life? Not perfectly, but is it the pattern of your life? Is it the habit of your life? Billy Graham said this, faith that saves. Faith that saves has one distinguishing quality. Saving faith is a faith that produces obedience. It is a faith that brings about a way of life. When you're truly born again, you have a desire to obey the Lord. A desire to obey the Lord. Pastor Stephen J. Lawson, in his excellent book, Absolutely Sure tells a story from the Civil War. He says, during the Civil War, no man in the South, no I'll calm down now, I'm not getting hoot and holler, no man in the South was more deeply revered nor highly respected than General Robert E. Lee. History records that on one occasion, Lee sent word to his most loyal and devoted officer, General Stonewall Jackson. The message simply said that the next time Jackson rode in the direction of Lee's headquarters, the commander of the Confederate Army would be glad to see him regarding a matter of minor importance. Well, upon receiving the message, Jackson immediately made preparations to depart early the next morning. Rising before sunrise, he saddled his horse, rode the eight miles to Lee's headquarters through a driving snowstorm. And Jackson arrived just as Lee was finishing breakfast. And Lee was surprised to see him and and inquired, why have you come at such an hour through such a terrible storm? And here's what General uh, Stonewall Jackson said. You said you wished to see me. General Lee's slightest wish is my supreme command. And Lawson said this, Stonewall Jackson grasped the monumental importance of obedience to one superior, no matter how insignificant it may appear. And this is the same way with any command of Christ for us. It is a truth that every believer in Jesus Christ must clearly understand his slightest wish should be our supreme delight and our command. We say, you know what? Jesus wants me to do this. We delight to do that. That's the pattern of our life. So proof number one that I'm saved. I obey God. Pretty simple, right? Now let's look at proof number two. How do I know I'm for sure that I'm saved? How do I know for sure that I'm saved? Number two, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, in all honesty, verses 7 and 8 can get a little bit confusing. John says, basically, I'm not giving you a new commandment. I'm giving you an old commandment. Then he turns around and says, well, actually, I'm giving you a new commandment. You're thinking, John, what in the world are you talking about here? Are you giving an old commandment, new commandment? What commandment are you giving us? Is it old? Is it new? Yes. It's old and new. He says in 7 and 8, brethren, I write a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which we have heard from the beginning, had from the beginning. The old commandment is the work which you've had from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. What is the commandment? What's he talking about? Well, it's obvious from the context. He's referring to the commandment of love. He's probably referring to what the Lord Jesus said, what we find in the Gospel of John. Now, stay with me now. I need you to think through this. Probably saying what Jesus said in John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Listen, listen to this. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for each other is a proof to other people that we're born again, but we're going to find it's also proof to us that we're born again. What is the command? He's talking about the commandment of love? Now the command of love is as old as the Old Testament, isn't it? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and love your neighbors yourself. I mean, that's as old as the Old Testament, but it's also new, not new in time, necessarily, but new in quality. In other words, it's not here just on a page anymore. It's been exemplified in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says it's true in him And it's true in you In other words, here's this command to love And we're given the example Of the love in the Lord Jesus But we're also given the ability to love Through the power of the Holy Spirit So it's an old commandment and a new light Someone likened it to a classic dish Think about your favorite dish Don't think about it too hard It's not lunch time yet But think about your favorite dish It's old probably, it's been around for a while But you put that Dish in the hands of a master chef. It takes on a new light. That takes on a new freshness. He said, man, I never knew it could be this good. That's kind of the idea here. It's an old commandment, but it's fresh. It's new. And what is it we're told to do? We're to love our brethren. One of the proofs that we are really saved is that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. We walk in the light as he is in the light. There's no cause for sin in our lives. We don't cause other people to sin. We're walking in the light. We love our brethren walking in the light as he's in the light. God is light. But on the other side, there are some folks who say one thing, but live another. Look at verse 9. He who says he's in the light. Oh, I'm in the light. Amen. Praise the Lord. Look at what it says next. And hates his brother. What's the reality about that person? He's in darkness until now. Look at verse 11. But he who hates his brother is in darkness. And watch this progression here. He's in darkness and he, now he's walking in darkness. He does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Hope you understand, beloved, those that don't know Christ. They're in spiritual blindness today. The enemy's blinded their eyes. The truth of the gospel would not shine through. But the the point here is when you love Jesus, you're going to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Not perfectly, mind you, but you're going to love them. Now, there are problems. Remember, this is a family photo album, right? Got any pictures in the family photo album of maybe when things didn't go so well? In the family, there are sometimes problems. Does your family have any problems? The problem is that not hatred for one another. Here's the question: Do you lo- don't answer out loud, by the way, please? Here's the question: Do you love your brothers and sisters in Christ? This is obviously aimed towards believers, loving the brethren, abiding in the light. You say, well, to be truthful, preacher, most of them I do, I love them, but there are a few that I don't particularly like. There are a few of my brothers and sisters in Christ that I, I struggle with. And, and I don't like the way they talk. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they smell, the way they dress, the way they act. I don't like you filling the blank. Now, friend, I didn't ask you if you liked them. Let's come back to what it's saying here. I ask you this do you love them? See, while we may not like certain things about a person or their action or their behavior or their attitude, we're told to love them. And we're reminded here, this is, by the way, this is agape love. This is Jesus' type of love. This is a love that, that seeks the best for someone else. A love that gives without expecting anything in return. A love that exalts the other. A love that helps the other. We know that we're told to love one another. It's Jesus' type of love. And and we know that, and we've said it many times, this type of love is not a mere emotion. We have to make the choice and the power of the Holy Spirit to love people, to love others. And let's be honest about it. Can we be honest about it? We need the power of God in our lives to love certain people. Because some people are easy to love. Some people walk in a a room and they're like a big fluffy teddy bear and man, you just want to go up and hug them and love them. And other people walk in a room, they're like a big old porcupine and they got the quills out all over. And you're like, man, I don't like that person. But God says you're to love that person. It's a choice that you make. And oftentimes what happens when you choose to love, what happens, those emotions will come. Those feelings will come. We don't operate by feelings. We operate by faith. And we choose to love them. It's a choice. We need God's help to do it. What verse did we just learn? And we see it operating in our lives of the Holy Spirit. We learned in Galatians 5, and 23, right? And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We don't do that in our own power. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so the Bible says here, listen, if you hate your brother, you better go back and make sure that you're truly born again. If you you despise your brothers and sisters in Christ, you better stop from there and say, really, is the love of God in my heart, in my life. Because we know one of the proofs that we are born again is, of course, to obey God, but also to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's obvious here that we're to walk as Jesus walked. Verse six. Our lives in the family of God is not to be like the relationship that George Bernard Shaw and Winston Churchill had. I understand that George Bernard Shaw sent Winston Churchill two tickets to the opening night of one of his plays with this note attached. Come and bring a friend if you have one. (laughs) Winston Churchill wrote back and he said he could not come on the opening night. But he would come on the second night if there was a second night. That's not the type of relationship we're to have in the body of Christ. If there's a disagreement this morning between you and a brother or sister in Christ, you go make it right. Go make it right. And have that sweet fellowship with each other. I was amazed how sometimes this happens, but... David Jeremiah's weekend devotional for today fits so nicely with this. He said last October, two puppies, brothers, Jeffrey and Jermaine, were found wandering the streets of Philadelphia. Though both dogs were frightened and sick, Jeffrey had the greater challenge. He was blind, determined to care for his brother. Jermaine literally became a guide dog. He constantly stayed within touching distance of his disabled brother. And Jeffrey leaned on Germain for support. Without any training, Germaine became a guide dog. These puppies were always seen touching each other and even slept holding each other. It says their story melted the hearts of the Philadelphians and the brothers had no trouble finding a home. David Jeremiah said, if animals can be that devoted to each other, shouldn't we be the same? Galatians 6 tells us, as we have opportunity to bear the burdens of others. Especially to those who are the household of faith. We can affirm, appreciate, and approve of others by the way we treat them. We can bear their burdens. Listen, love is worthless unless it acts out. Unless it's expressed in deed and behavior. And he concluded by saying this. That's, just, that's not just puppy love. It's agape love. And that's the type of love we're to have, beloved. How do I know today for sure that I'm saved? Proof number one, I obey God. That's the pattern of my life. Don't do it perfectly, but that's the pattern the habit of my life. Proof number two, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't do it perfectly, but that's the pattern of my life. Now, here's the question. What group are you in this morning? The first group are those who know they're not saved. Maybe everybody else thinks you're saved, but you know you're not saved. Beloved, get saved today. Today's the day of salvation. Turn from your sin and place your faith in Christ. The second group, you thought you were saved you go to church and do all these good things. But you realize today you're not really saved. Can I say to you today, beloved, get saved. Do it today. There's a third group. You're truly born again, but you're struggling because you don't have that assurance of your salvation. Listen, we've looked at it today. Would you take God at his word today? Would you nail a stake down on the ground today and say, listen. I know I'm saved And I rejoice in that assurance And finally the fourth group We're all want to be And all should be You're saved and you're sure this morning You know what I think should characterize those in that boat I think several things Gratefulness Thank you Lord for saving me Thank you Lord for the assurance Worship Thank you Lord Rejoicing and knowing That you're born again Now I want to ask you this as we close this morning What is God the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's he saying to you? We're going to pray in a moment. We're going to have a closing hymn. If you need to be saved today. So, everybody thinks I'm saved. I'd be embarrassed. Beloved, better be embarrassed this morning and get saved than burn in hell forever. You get that settled today. There might be those who say, Listen, I, I thought I was saved, but I realized I've looked at this and, and I'm not saved. Get saved today. Come today. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. And then those that are struggling. Would you nail that down today? You looked at this. Is this characterized your life? Would you take God at his word and say, listen, I know that I can know. And I do know. And I thank you that I know. And then those who are ready, know. Would you lift your hearts in worship and praise? And would you pray for those who don't have that assurance? Father, I want to thank you today. That we can not only be saved we can have the assurance of our salvation. and Father, I pray for anyone today who is struggling with that. Lord, if they need to be saved, I pray in these next few moments, they take the time to allow someone to sit down with them and settle this for all eternity. Don't let pride or embarrassment or fear hold them back. Holy Spirit, would you do a work because only you can do this. The lives of people today They might have salvation And the assurance of it Thank you for this time We pray in Jesus name Amen Our closing hymn 134 Jesus paid it all All to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow The invitation I hope is clear today Make sure before you leave this building That you're saved And you're sure of it i 'm going to be standing right down here. If You need to be saved, come let us know that we' want to talk with you and help you. You want to come nail some things down today, you can do that. If you want to just come and pray in a gratefulness heart out of a grateful heart today. You want to just worship because you have salvation and the assurance you do that today. Would you be obedient to the Holy Spirit as we stand and sing 134 Jesus paid all let 's stand and sing you step out and come now 134.